Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Adair, the intern for Biblical Counseling. Today's episode marks the ninth and final episode in our series discussing suicide. In our episode today, we conclude by discussing the long-term questions that survivors of a suicide face. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you'd like to stay aware of new episodes, you can download our app by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the app store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Well, Josh, thanks so much again for joining us. We're so glad to be back today for our last episode of Suicide. We are uh, our last episode on suicide. You know, we've walked through this whole series talking about uh, much of the issues uh, that we have faced uh, in terms of preventing suicide. What do those who are struggling with suicidal ideation need to understand? How does Scripture view this issue? How do caretakers begin to think about caring for a loved one who's walking through this struggle with suicide? And last time, we began our initial descent into the conclusion of our series on suicide by talking about some of the short-term questions that people face. So, for example, some of the lies they might face in terms of shame, the seduction of wanting to, to end their own lives because of seeing their loved one in their own lives, and the seclusion and isolation that can come from this if no one really gets this. But, you know, one of the things that really struck out stuck out to me last time was the idea of how we have a God in Christianity. We have to balance the truths of divine, respo- divine providence and human responsibility. And we walked through this lens of shame, seduction, and seclusion and began to talk about how the biblical truths can, of God, in God's Word can address the short-term issues, uh, whether it's the, the lens of God's greater good in some ways that's behind this or the way that we see the trajectory of suffering and the golden chain of suffering that you've mentioned so many times in Romans 5. And we need to take that biblical lens and apply it to the long term for people now. And so, Josh, as, as you think about uh, the long-term questions that someone who is a survivor of suicide faces, a survivor of a suicide, what are some of the long-term questions that you think that they'll need to address? First off, I mean, I think that you want to be able to say, that there is both divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Both of those are twin truths. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that kind of in the short term and and in the long term, like both of those twin truths, you want to be bringing solace to your soul. And by that, I mean God's providence was that before the foundation of the world, this was going to happen. There was no way this wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. And that to be able to square yourself with the fact that God's providence is true and it is good, even when we don't understand it. So as we're recording this, we're recording this on a Monday. Yesterday, Derek preached on Psalm 53. I was about to say 54, 53. And in there, he was talking about atheists. And the tack that atheists often take to undermine faith is the moral 
discussion, the discussion that is, how can a good God allow evil? Yeah. And the truth is, is that evil has come in. It's come in through our own sinful hearts, and that God uses evil for good. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to see that in the midst of evil, in the midst of the fallout of evil, that God could ever use this for good. Yeah. And so just being able to hold on to texts like Romans 8.28, like Romans 5, the golden chain of suffering, mm-hmm. suffering, endurance, character, hope, that those things are true even in the midst of this, the darkest hour. Also, that you're not alone. So to the seclusion aspect, that you can look at things like Job 3 or Psalm 88 and recognize that God says that those pieces of Scripture are allowed in his Bible. You're yeah. allowed to feel that dark, yeah, and God doesn't rebuke you. Mm. it's really quite comforting to know that you can go to God in that sort of moment that you don't have to somehow clean yourself off and make yourself more um, approachable, better, that you can just go to him in disheveled grief and absolute agony and be like, Lord, I don't understand. Mm. How could you allow this to be true? You are good. You are sovereign. Mm. I know those things to be true because your word tells me that they're true. And yet this thing happened, and I cannot find any good in it. Mm. And like the psalmist in Psalm 88, I feel utterly alone, and it seems like you are the one who has made darkness my only friend. You can pray that prayer. Absolutely. And know that the Lord responds to that prayer. Mm. He's not ashamed of you when you pray that prayer. Now, how he responds, I'm not sure. Like he, 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 I'm not how he's going to respond to you individually. There will be times of comfort. There may be times where he's showing you. There may be times of mystery where he's, he's just trying to increase your faith as moment by moment you keep holding on to him. Mm-hmm. And yet, as you endure that Romans 5, it will lead to tested character, and that tested character will produce a hope and a sort of hope that isn't a airy hope, mm-hmm. a hope that is a hope when all things are good, but a, a anchored hope, mm. a hope that knows what it's like to have faith even in the most difficult and tragic circumstances. I'm reminded as you've been speaking of in one of my courses this spring, studying apologetics, the problem of pain. Yeah. Oftentimes it's, as you mentioned, atheists will, will say, how can a good God allow suffering? But yeah. even then part of, Part of that argument is saying that I personally can't see any good reason beyond this moment for this suffering and this pain. And what you're arguing in response to that, Josh, is a beautiful picture of the way that Scripture invites us to entrust ourselves to our Father. Right. To say, like the psalmist does in Shepherd 23, uh, in in the times of when he's got a plumb line on his perspective uh, of the truth of Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah. But there's also times where he's in need of deliverance, where the psalmist also cries out for that same sort of desire for that image of Psalm 28 says, be our shepherd and carry us forever. Yeah. Like what this has to look like a lot of times in people's lives is yeah. learning to cry out to God and yeah. ask, I need you to carry me. Yeah, yeah. You, it's okay to bleat as a wounded and lost sheep, mm. right? Absolutely. And we are finite. Mm-hmm. We can't possibly understand mm-hmm. 
Even in glory, sometimes people have this idea that once we get to glory, God will explain everything to us perfectly. That's a misunderstanding mm. of who we will be in glory. Yeah. We won't have infinite minds. Yeah. We will have limited human minds. Mm-hmm. Limited human minds that are unaffected by the fall, mm. so they're much better than the minds that you and I have right now. Yeah. Which, which is a pretty <laughs> low bar for me anyway. <laughs> I'll throw myself in that group too. <laughs> right. So not like that's great, mm. but... We're still not going to be infinite, where there's no way to completely understand. And I I think that when we get to glory, we won't want to or feel the need to. Like, you have to explain why X happened and why Y happened. And we'll just get there. And, like, man, I I feel really resolved that all of this happened and it happened to this end. And this end is so good that it doesn't need explanation. Yeah, I was reading another article in prep for this episode, and it said oftentimes the anger and blaming that come with this sort of survivorship, while it's understandable, they can they can extend they can extend from the idea that God's sovereign dealings with us are actually wrong and inconsistent with who we think He is and how we think that He should act. Right. Totally human yeah. to 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 struggle with that. Yeah. But that's. I mean, that's something that goes back to the very heart of the Garden of Eden, Josh, yeah. of can you really trust what God says? That's right. And it, it has to do with all kinds of suffering. It depends. The suffering of, I don't know, the loss of a job, which is genuine suffering, though, pales in comparison to the suffering of a loved one, especially a dear loved one's taking of their own life. Mm. But the principles still apply. Mm. That that in suffering and in the midst of evil, God is still at work and he is still using those things. And he has preordained that these things should come to pass without being the author of sin, without being responsible for them. Mm-hmm. Yet using them in such a way that he and all of his people might be glorified and that they might be sanctified, made more and more like him. Mm. I, I don't know what that means in the individual who's listening to this in the wake of someone who's committed suicide's life. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's sanctifying mm-hmm. you in a way that nothing else could have ever sanctified you. Yeah. Maybe it strengthens your faith in a way that there's no way anything else could have strengthened your faith. Mm. I don't know. But I do know that I trust the Lord and that scripture tells me you can trust him and yet when you don't trust him mm. it's okay. You can go to him and say, it's hard for me to trust you right now. Yeah. Our shepherd's a good shepherd who carries his wounded sheep. Yeah. And and as long as you're not making character assassination type aspersion on God, you cannot be good and allow this to happen. Yeah. Okay? That you That is something for which you will need to repent later. Not that it's the unforgivable sin, praise the Lord. And people pray prayers like that in the midst of grief and anguish, and that's understandable. But that's that's not a righteous prayer. A righteous prayer is, I know you're good. I know you're all-powerful, and this has happened, and I don't understand why it's true. Mm. I feel alone, desperate, and afraid, and I know that you could make me feel not desperate, not lonely, and not afraid. Mm. And you're choosing not to. And I don't understand. And it feels very difficult. And it's hard for me to see you right now as my ally, my mm. comforter, and my friend. Mm. It does not appear to me that you are my tower, my stronghold, my refuge, my shield of salvation. Mm. It seems to me right now that you are my persecutor. Mm. Help me, Lord. 
I know that's not true, but help me. Oh, may the Lord give us grace to see his mercy in those moments. Yeah. Oftentimes I tell people about praying the photo negative of a psalm. Yeah. So take a psalm like Psalm 18, which gives you all the strength clauses, what God is for you, and think about praying the photo negative. For those of my listeners that are under the age of 30, a photo (laughs) negative... A photo negative was something we used to get when we would take pictures. Back when we thought cameras stole people's souls. <laughs> uh, Sorry. No, you're totally fine. It would often invert the colors, or it would invert the colors. So the dark area, light areas would look dark, and dark areas would look light. And so, what I'm saying is, by praying the photo negative, sometimes mm-hmm. taking the the number of dark psalms in the Psalter can be somewhat limited at times. And so sometimes looking at the positive ones and inverting them give you the words you're looking for. Yeah. So I think that that is a helpful tool for people to be able to pray in a way where they feel heard and understood. Yeah. That's actually something that I've, uh, in in recent reading, I've come across the phrase of letting God's word teaching teach us how to breathe in moments of suffering. Right. That sounds like you're actually asking God to teach us how to breathe and yeah. make it through this moment so that, that we can see. That's um, right. And so we can to feel the, the, the relief of a full breath come in again yeah. by letting his word guide us in our grief, right. which is messier than we like to admit, Yeah. Uh, more, more difficult because it requires us to acknowledge his goodness even in the midst of our suffering. And yet it's still where we must be driven to because there's no hope yeah. otherwise. That's right. So that's right. So that I mean, that was that was a very sort of meandering way through the short term. And I think that actually illustrates the nature of this grief yeah. for people. Yeah. But as we think about long term, Josh, what are some long term things that, that people who are surviving uh, s- survivors of suicide need to be considering? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I think that in the long term I'd want to be thinking uh, probably about a couple of things. One, serving others. Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite quotes from my former senior minister, Ligon Duncan, God loves you too much to make your, or his people too much to make your suffering just about you. And so that the opposite of seclusion is not only getting help for yourself, but mm-hmm. being available to help others yeah. through something like this. And that's really tough. Oftentimes, we don't want to be known as the person whose loved one has committed suicide. Sure. We don't want to somehow drag their reputation through the mud. And mm. it's, it's hard for us to think about being known by that. And yet, at the same time, we want to help those who go through something like this. So when you get to the place where maybe you're a little bit more stable in the midst of your grief, thinking about how can I help others who go through similar type of grief or mm. uh, point them to resources that were helpful for you in the midst of your grief that you might help others too, because it does help fulfill the Galatians 6-2, bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ mm. um, sort of um, idea. Uh, another thing is that I think in the long term, uh, as you think about God's providence and man's responsibility, you can more and more begin to look at the man's responsibility portion yeah. uh, and think about, okay, what were the signs that I could have seen more acutely? Mm-hmm. Uh, were there ways that I responded and didn't respond helpfully without taking on it's my fault? 
staying short of if I had done this, they would still be alive. Yeah, that that is a boat that you cannot get on. That you, you just deny that that's a, that is a possibility. And at the same time, think, okay, were there things that I missed? Were there signs that I missed? where I could have responded in a way that was more helpful? Were there times that I was dismissive of this when I should have listened more carefully? Sure. Whatever it is, just so that you can, again, uh, help yourself and others in the future to respond in a more caring and loving manner. Mm. And then, you know, the continuing shame that you're going to feel over and over, I think something like Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you just need to continue to run to the cross and continue to throw yourself at the feet of the cross again and again and recognize that no matter how far you get away from this, that temptation to feel guilty for it will continue to pursue you mm. and you have all the freedom you need in the cross. Don't mm. look at your identity anywhere else as father, mother, brother, friend, colleague, whatever it was, instead see yourself as redeemed sinner. Mm. And therefore you have the ability to say, no, it's not my responsibility. It's not my fault um, that this happened. The Lord again in his divine providence knew from the beginning of the world before, before the foundation of the world that this was going to happen. And any responsibility I might take unto myself for this, Mm. I know it's God's good providence and I trust him, right? Mm. Um, and I don't have to live in a place of shame or guilt that you know, thwarts my ability to help others or be involved in um, situations like this in the future. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying, again, is the idea of just continuing to let Scripture be the way mm-hmm. that we refine and renew our minds in the process that in the midst of our shame— we have to, and 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 the shame that maybe we did something to do that to contribute to this. Uh, it will be like a dull ache mm-hmm. over the life of the rest of a survivor of suicides. Right, uh, life, but it's one that has no end to the the fount of God's grace in the cross. It's it's much like Jacob and his hip being out of socket. Yeah, learning to walk with a limp. Learning to walk with a limp. That's right. The, the pain of that limp. Every other step was searing pain Mm. what did that teach jacob it taught jacob about god's mercy and his strength and grace and so that pain was um an incredible gift it was a blessing yeah and that's that's the scripture's language for it it was a blessing yeah it is incredibly odd and difficult to think about suicide in terms of blessing i mean i I'm almost hesitant to even say that. That's, yeah. That I, I, I'm, and if you're offended by that, I, I don't mean to offend, right? Yeah. It, it, and I wouldn't ever ask for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I want to make sure I'm very tender here. All I'm saying is the degree to which this is incredibly painful, it can feel like a limp every other step for the rest of your life. Mm. And even that can drive you to the cross every other step. And it's amazing how strong your faith can be. When every other step, yeah. you're running to the cross for grace. Yeah, and that, I mean, the cross is, is the ultimate reminder, Josh, to us of the God who inverts our suffering right. and our sin and our shame Yeah, and redeems us in the midst of it. And yeah. so it, it points us to the fact that we're not, uh, there is not, it, it, there is a solution to our suffering and sin 
found in the very person, the second person of the Trinity in Christ. But it also points us to the fact that we are not alone in our suffering because he's the God who suffers with us. That's right. That's right. All right. So, well, this has been uh, a wonderful exploration, Josh, on uh, just the nature of how do we begin to deal with some of the painful realities of uh, both the short-term and long-term questions surrounding suicide survivorship. If you or someone that you know is touched by this struggle and this hardship, please uh, please feel free to forward this on to them. Uh, please also don't hesitate to reach out to us at jadare at firstpresscolumbia.org or Squires at firstpresscolumbia.org. We would love the opportunity to talk with you about this and walk with you in it. There's also some phenomenal resources at our Christian Counseling Center to help you walk through this grief as well. But we hope this ministry has been a blessing to you. And as we come out with our next episode, we hope that you will join us again and that uh, that you'll, that until then, the Lord would bless you. Thank you, Josh.